the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Let's rip into another fresh can of Wall Street today. Kind of getting some movement on the upside. Maybe a small breakout. A little too early to predict that, but it's never stopped me from being early, right? NASDAQ was a big winner yesterday. That's why I'm saying we're getting a little bit of follow through because it's two days in a row. This morning is open higher, but yesterday the NASDAQ was up 1.8%. It's a big move. SP 500 was up 1.4%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1%. The 10 year Treasury sits at 3.57. Around that range, around 3.5, it seems like the markets can play with new yearly highs. Round four, it seems like it starts to slow down and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Bitcoin sits at 28,346. That's up 4% yesterday. And Amazon was up 3%. That's a bit of a big move. It's been consolidating for a while. Is it ready for a breakout? Tech focused index, the NASDAQ is now up 20% from its low at the end of December. Big rallies this year in Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. Investors seemed less nervous about the banking sector yesterday, so there was an overall market love. Musk and 1,000 others are asking for a pause in AI projects. I don't know if I expected that, but do you know Elon Musk is really afraid of machines? To the point that he talks one day the robots could rise up and kill us all. And Elon Musk said there's profound risk to society and humanity ask AI researchers to put their projects on ice for at least six months. OpenAI launched the latest version of its language model GPT-4 this month. Google started rolling out its AI chatbot called Bard last week. Microsoft had added AI capabilities to Bing search engine in February. Seems to me the genie is a bit out of the bottle. Researchers and Wall Street are in a race now to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds that no one, not even their creators, can ultimately understand, predict, and or reliably control. That's the thought. It's kind of fun, though, isn't it? I know you're saying you're you're talking about the, the end of humanity and you're referring to it as fun, kind of. The FDA yesterday approved the over-the-counter sales of an opioid Overdose drug, the agency decided that Narcan can be sold without a prescription, paving the way for a life-saving nasal spray that reverses opioid overdoses to become more widely available and available at places where people might be able to use it. Gas stations and um, drugstores. Marvel Chief is out at Disney. Disney fired its um, entertainment chief. CEO Bob Iger and Disney's chief, um, Pixar's uh, Marvel's chief, 
uh, kind of didn't really get terribly well along, which is pretty interesting. Eisner has started making that shake up that he promised he would. Ike Pearl Mooter out at Disney. That's a big name. Just throwing that down there for you. Uh, keep in mind that Disney did bring on Marvel and Disney did bring on Pixar. And Disney did bring on Fox and Disney did bring on the Simpsons and Disney did bring on. They've got a lot of studio consolidation that they probably be playing with at this point in time. Yesterday's positive disposition has carried over today. Worries about the banking industry are easing. Another one hasn't bitten the dust, but it got a lot of people nervous. Definitively, I got more email in the last three weeks about closing bank accounts, which I'm like, nope. How much money do you have? How many depositors names on, on each account? Add your spouse and you're up to 500 K insurance. But a lot of people still fear run on the banks. It's really interesting. You never tend to believe that Americans would be so caught up in that tradition of everyone go get their money out before it collapses and you can't get your money out, even though we have a rich tradition of making people completely whole when there is a bank failure. And this bank failure was downright soft compared to what it could have been. And I'm saying soft because the bank was buying treasury bonds that were a little too outdated, far dated. Okay, far dated, uh, coming uh, mature in the future. And when people ask for their money back, those weren't any good. So it is interesting that there is some talk on Capitol Hill right now about how the run on the banks was organized through social media. On Silicon Valley. Not wildly interesting, but stick with me. I'm going to stay with that one for now. Uh, let's take a look at some more stories of the day. Jobless claims edge up 198,000 higher than expected. That would be welcome news if first time unemployment claims were to climb above 300,000, 350,000, 400,000. You would start thinking that America is starting to thin out their employees. 198,000, it's higher than what was expected of 195,000, but it's very immaterial. If you're waiting for the Fed to see the job market get colder, you're still waiting. If you're waiting to see if the job market's going to hold up, it's looking like it is. EV shares, EV go, EV go, Sh shares of EV go. That's how I want to say that. I was trying to think EV go shares doesn't sound right. Shares of EV go. They're surging today. They posted better than expected uh, earnings. Actually, it wasn't earnings. They posted a narrower loss than expected through their earnings call. Demand for chargers from business clients has boomed. Company's 2023 revenue guidance was slightly short of expectations as EVgo isn't sure it'll be uh, able to get enough chargers made by the end of the year. So demand is so good, they, they're like, we can't really get our hands on these things fast enough to install them and start 
having you, the public, use them. Company isn't yet sure how many US made chargers it'll be able to get by the year end. That's a good problem to have. Not a great problem to have, because you do want to work through that. So today we're seeing carryover from yesterday's rally. I think that's the, the story. We're seeing banking worries continuing to ease. We're seeing the S&P 500 extending position um, above its 50-day moving average. It feels... No, no, no. I don't want to... Okay. I'm not going to put words in my mouth. I'm not going to say something more positive just to be positive. I'm going to say something negative ever to be negative. So I'm in a wait and see mode on this one. I'm... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting that fight to, to be positive. I don't want to do it. Are we are we breaking out now? Are we six months out from the economic data looking better? Wall Street's discounting mechanism. It looks six months in the future. In theory, is a breakout in the 50-day moving average telling us enough money starting to believe that six months from now, inflationary numbers will be easing? And that maybe interest rates may be lower. Let's keep an eye on it together. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Disney was founded in 1923. 100 years ago. Its mission has not changed, nor has its strategic position. By contrast, Apple grew its market share from 4% in 2011 to 24% in 2022. Apple put a lot of competitors out of business. Defensively, content beats technology as a multi-decade moat. Offensively, an upside value driver, strong distribution of world-class content are complementary networks. That is, they are worth more together than separately. You look at four forms of valuation when you're looking at Apple. You're looking at their global distribution footprint. You're looking at unique consumers, 1.2 billion. With Disney, you have 570 million consumers reaching reached every year. If you were to look at Disney like you look at Apple, you'd see the valuation. And you'd start comparing things a little bit differently. Disney is a hundred year old business and we look at it as bottom line earnings driven and we don't look at how many people are dedicated to frozen one, frozen two, frozen three. And my children, if they have daughters, I guarantee you they'll watch frozen one, frozen two, frozen three. And then the consumer would be dad who loved escape from which mountain, a Disney movie back in the late seventies. Son who watched all the Pixar films to son's daughter or uh, son, you know, grandchild. You see three generations of Disney people, right? I do. So Disney's got 570 million consumers reached every year, 15 to 25% valuation upside right there. The analytical building blocks that support Disney and Apple are the number of unique consumers who, who continue to stick around. Would those two companies ever merge and be acquired by each other? 
you could say one company's content and you could say one company's distribution and you could say, yeah, the regulators would probably let it go. They're not in each other's face and each other's business, but the one thing, unique thing that they have together, consumers that are sticky. I'm not saying I would be crazy excited. <clears throat> I might be crazy excited by that one. That might be one that gets me out of bed and go, Ooh, I didn't see that coming. Let's do the top 10 list of the day. Top 10 entertainments on Forbes highest paid list for 2022. Number one, you are not going to be able to guess. I guarantee you. Go ahead and start guessing in your head right now, and I'll go through 10 down to one. Don't cheat. Bad Bunny comes in at number 10, the Puerto Rican powerhouse. He entered the high earners world, pulling in $88 million, but he had $400 million in ticket sales across two tours and endorsements. Tay Tay Swift. She hasn't even yet begun her tour in earnest, and she made $92 million last year from streams, physical record sales, and digital downloads. That's a little more than I would have thought in a non-touring year for her. James Cameron comes in the list of top paid entertainers last year, $95 million, with the release of Avatar The Way of the Water. That accounted for his third movie amongst the highest grossing movies of all time, Titanic and Avatar are the other two. Number seven on the list, the Rolling Stones. They're always on this list. As long as they have members that can stand up and play guitar or stand up and dance. Seems like they're going to be touring till the day Mick dies. And then maybe afterwards, we'll sit, put them in a, an eye coffin, a glass coffin made by Steve Jobs for entertainers so we can celebrate them long after their death. Stones made $98 million, $135 million touring. Brad Pitt, number six on the list. Again, not one that I would have expected, but the number one is going to truly shock you. You may fall out of your chair. Pitt earned some cash from his movies in 2022, but took the majority of his income from the sale of his production company called Plan B, which sold for $113 million plus million was his take. Matt Grody and James Brooks, the creator of The Simpsons, $105 million. The two earned $105 million after fees due to the show's move to Disney Plus streaming as part of the company's Fox acquisition. Number four on the list, and this makes me happy, Matt Stone, Trey Parker, $160 million. The pair behind South Park were on Forbes' list for the second year in a row with income of a six-year $935 million Paramount deal, HBO Max Legacy, and their musical Book of Mormon. It's not lost on me that I've got a 12-year-old son who watches South Park, and it makes me very, very happy because I watched South Park as a teenager. Number three on the list, this is starting to get, how shall we say, long in the tooth as far as segments go. Tyler Perry. Um, Black entertainment TV shows. Uh, Production lot in Atlanta, second year on Forbes list. He's the only billionaire listed for 2022. Sting pulled in $210 million. He sold his entire music catalog for $300 million ahead of the fees. Be pretty nice, huh? I know there was a career that had drug, sex, and rock and roll. That was probably just as nice. But to end your career of drug, sex, and rock and roll, being well-known around the world, get a paycheck from the man, here, Sting, take $300 million, pay taxes, and 
It's down $210 million. Not too shabby. Now, how's he going to do a curtain call for that? Who cares? I'll take the, I'll take one year of being a rock and roll megastar. Okay. So the number one entertainer for 2022, I'm a little shocked by this. Think post COVID. You're like, okay, okay, okay. You're building the tension too much. Genesis. Genesis? Genesis. <clears throat> they pulled in $230 million, the rock group. <clears throat> I can't even call them a rock group. They're like your dad's pop music of the 70s and early 80s. And what? Again, <clears throat> can you name a Genesis song in the last 25 years, 30 years? Probably not. The Lamb Lays Down on Broadway, I, I'll say it, great album. The song Mama. Yes, I had some issues with Mama. She's taken away his last chances. Come on, Mama. Don't take away. Don't take away his last chances. I know you're all running to Spotify to play that song that you haven't heard since the late 80s. Mama. Mama. Um, Phil Collins was picked as the lead singer to replace who in Genesis? A little financial trivia for you. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel's going on tour this year, but Genesis pulled in $230 million yesterday or last year. Hey, of note, I am going to do financial Friday trivia on my YouTube channel. Tune in this week live on YouTube channel Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. March, as we all learned, is Women's History Month. And doing a financial planning show, financial expert show, financial media show, I've quickly learned through the years, <laughs> through the years I've learned quickly, that women have different issues than men. Um, so I've dedicated the month of March plus many, many more segments over the years to talking about women and investing. Uh, I think it's a unique scenario. We've had on some experts from EP wealth, Laura Knoll. She talked about what happens when a spouse dies. She had a great angle on you know, like bonding together with other women. Uh, Liz McQueen, she came on and talked about professional women and how they should lean into financial concerns and really get up to speed on the education. Stephanie Richmond talked about the gender pay gap. EP Wealth is flush with very, very smart people who know about all issues, including women and investing. Today, we're going to be talking with Kathy Costas. She is a certified divorce expert. Technical, uh, this, uh, the letters on that are CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. I find that fascinating. Uh, Kathy, why do we need CDFAs? What's the role of a CDFA? What's the accreditation of a CDFA? Hi, Rob. Um, a CDFA stands for Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Okay. Um, I think the best way to think about though that term though is Certified Divorce Advocate, Divorce Financial Advocate, because really that's the role of a CDFA. It's to stand behind the client through the entire process 
before they file, while they're looking and negotiating a settlement, after the divorce is final, actually gathering the assets and just focusing on the financial piece and the financial planning aspects. Um, we go through training. We have to have certain education, uh, certain background before you can be a CDFA. Then there's a final comprehensive exam that is basically financial planning, but with the layer of divorce on top. And if you think about it, the reason it's it's so needed, an attorney goes to law school or a mediator, right? They, they are they are not in financial planning school. And divorces, money and kids, and sometimes, especially later in life, just money. So in order to get that planning advice, not just for today you're divorced, this is what you have, but in five years and 10 years and 15 years, and even planning for the next generation if you have kids, um, that's my job. That's not the attorney's expertise or really their role. So um, just very, very important to the process, I think. I've had a divorce. It was shameful for me because of, I guess, what society taught me growing up. But we were lucky because we both agreed this just wasn't right. We rushed into it. It lasted under a year. So we went with a divorce mediator and we never got bad blood. Um What's the difference between a CDFA and maybe like a divorce mediator who's looking out for best interest? And they did like a financial background on me. They made sure I wasn't leaving her high and dry, that I wasn't hiding money. Um, how, how more expertise are you versus a mediator, if that makes sense? Sure. So uh, any the, the beginning of any divorce, you're, well, first of all, your marriage is a legal contract. Believe it or not, if you read the back of your license, it's actually a legal contract. You both have a fiduciary duty to each other mm -hmm. to maintain community assets. For example, you don't burn down the house. Your wife doesn't take the retirement account to Vegas, right? So because of that, in order to dissolve that contract, the very beginning start is what you kind of described. You both empty your pockets. And whether you mediate or litigate, that's always the first start. This is what we have. Right. And a mediator's job is just to get you both to agree. It's not about fair or equitable. Okay. It's come to an agreement. They are not held to any sort of fair standard or even standard. Now, in, in California, for example, right, we're a community property, 50-50, no fault state. So generally you get to half and half of any community property assets. But you can agree to whatever version of that half and half you agree to be between the two of you. Usually one of you earns more than the other. So the person who's not the primary earner may want more of the cash assets, for example, than the retirement assets. And a mediator, again, is not a financial person. They are trained in mediation, reaching a settlement in a negotiation between two parties. Yes, they know divorce law, hopefully, in the state right, in which they're in. Um, but again, they are not financial people. They're not financial planners. And the focus of any litigation mediation is, okay, the day you're divorced, this is what you have. My role is, okay, what about tomorrow and five years and 10 years? And if you want to keep the house, can you? Can you get a mortgage? What is your cash flow going to look like over the next several years? And that's really not the role of a mediator or an attorney or anyone else really in the divorce process. I work for EP Wealth, as do you, and I'm married and it's I've seen through the financial planning process through the years that sometimes divorces gets really, really complicated, especially when you're wealthy. Um, let's talk a little bit about that angle. Um, I once wrote a book and you're going to laugh at this because I was so naive. And again, it's how we grow up and how we mature. Um, 
in one of the chapters, I said, ladies in divorce, go for the house. Don't go for the 401k. And the chapter was really quick, but it it was kind of implying that a house is a tougher asset. Uh, no, no, I said, go for the 401k, not the house. Excuse me. I totally blew the setup um, <laughs> because a 401k is tougher to save money for. You can always find a place to rent. How naive was I in my approach on that? Like just saying, don't do it for the kids. Don't stick with the house just because it's a house. Well, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad statement, but really it, it's putting more around that. It, it has to be in context, right? It may okay. be the best idea because you're right. A house isn't a liquid asset and you can rent and there are other options, but you really, and, and that's my job is, is to look at the divorce menu. I call it what's on the table. Is it a business? Are there properties, rentals? Do you have, what do you have? And then figuring out what makes the most sense. It may be to keep the house. That may be a good idea, but it may not. And then we have to look at things like right now, mortgage rates are high, right? A year and a half ago, a a client of mine could come in, she could buy out her husband, qualify for that mortgage because it was 2% and the payment was low. Now it's a very different calculation. That mortgage is at 7% or 8% and that payment is much larger. So it, it there is no set, this is what you should do. It really takes a, an expert to look at your financial picture. And again, do that modeling like we do at EP and do that cash flow projection like we do. That includes taxes and all different aspects of your income and expenses. And then you can come to a conclusion of, okay, that is really the best idea. So you just have to put it in context. I've got about two minutes left and sorry for taking so much of the time with the questions, but um, let's talk about the emotional angle on this. When I figured out I was getting a divorce, I got really emotional. She did as well. Um, how much of your job is the emotional side of like, let's calm down. Let's look at the finances. Let's, let's do this right. Let's not be angry. Let's not be sad. Let's not do you know what I'm saying? There has to be a behavioral aspect of it. Oh, it's huge. I always joke in my conference room, the, the one thing I always need is a box of Kleenex. <laughs> I don't need the other things necessarily. I've been through it. I went through a six-year divorce myself. I have a lifetime restraining order. I did wage guard. You name it, soup to nuts. And during that time, I thought, there's got to be a way to turn this into something good. And there's got to be a way to use the empathy that I have for someone in that situation, for for them to to be emotional. And, and one of my pet peeves is people say, oh, treat it like a business deal. You can't. It's your life. That balance sheet where is your hopes and your dreams and what you thought life was going to be. But I can treat it that way. And I can help you with resources. Maybe you need a parenting coach. Maybe you need a support group. Whatever it is you need to get you through it. But I get it. And, and there are tears in our meetings, and that's that's okay because I understand where people are. But again, it's my job to kind of sometimes be that backbone or that strength. Or you know, I say if you you're exhausted and you just can't do it anymore, I still have have the energy to say, okay, we need to focus on what's important. I get it that this is terrible, but also there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I share stories with my clients of other clients. They were in a horrible situation like you, but you will come through this. And we're creating a plan for you so you can be financially stable and over time you'll heal it's a grief process and and we have to just acknowledge that you're grieving the marriage and and we have to be real about that there's no question so i have a bunch of resources for people as well as again just my own experience and understanding of where they are in this process 
life is like a chapter book where it feels very dramatic at the end of every chapter, but we move forward and you're a very important part in this. It's Kathy Costas, Catherine Costas. She is a certified divorce financial analyst slash advocate. I get the angle advocate because it helps. You can find her works at epwealth.com. It's epwealth.com forward slash blog. You'll find it. And if you need to, you can always contact me, Rob at robblackshow.com. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you. So Women's Month is wrapping up for the month of March. April is Financial Education Month. I will have more EP guests on on a regular basis. It is a very talented organization, very deep with financial planners, with experts like Kathy Costas in divorce. Lord Knoll joined us this month talking about what to do when a spouse dies. Liz McQueen talking about concerns amongst young professional women. And Stephanie Richmond, she went over the gender pay gap now ultimately longer and invest more or so that they can live off their nestle egg my mother lived until her mid-80s my father died before he was 60. it's a classic example of women need more financial planning education women need more assets in their financial plan and yet because they can carry a baby and do carry babies and because they can take care of parents and they do take care of parents, they're more loving than say I am. They get punished financially. And I just don't think that's right. So next month, more EP guests this month uh, was women's month. Next month is going to be financial literacy month. And we are going to continue on with the show. You can find everything that I do at YouTube or my website, robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. My YouTube channel is Rob Black Show. On Fridays, I'm going to start doing a YouTube uh, video that's going to be unique just to YouTube. And uh, I've done two of them so far, and they're evolving nicely. They're not quite where I want them to be, but they're evolving nicely. Find me on YouTube at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Let's talk about the problem of being too big. It's easier for small companies to become medium-sized companies. Medium-sized become big companies. Big companies become mega-cap companies. Where do mega-cap companies go? Apple has a situation where their AR VR headset looks to be delayed another one to two months. And that doesn't really jive terribly well with getting the world web developers conference software tools. So they can start developing in June and July, August and September, a product that might come out in October. Now if that product doesn't come out till December and it misses the holiday window. Ooh. But virtual reality, every now and then I just want to use a cuss word and I just can't. Um, virtual reality, augmented reality is having a tough 2023 with Zuckerberg dedicating his year to the year of efficiencies, not the year of avatars. On top of it, Disney basically destroyed their whole division that was tied towards Bob Chapik's vision of future Disney entertainment all being virtual reality. So will Apple have the cojones, the guts, the courage, like the lion from the Wizard of Oz to throw down a product that's going to cost $3,000 plus that really no one needs right now? And the jobs that have been created around this segment 
have are shutting down fast. Um, but that's what Apple needs to become a mega mega company. They need more product. Alibaba is laying the groundwork for companies like Google and Amazon to copy what they're doing. This is something I've talked about for years on this show is that I do like Google. I do like Microsoft. I do like Apple. I do like uh, Amazon. Is there one? Uh, Google, Amazon. Yeah, Google and Amazon. Um, if Amazon were to, say, break up into smaller divisions, say, in entertainment studios, you would give them valuation on their Amazon Prime streaming. If they were to break into delivery for uh, all retailers, you would give them a different valuation. If they were to break off their Amazon Web Services, you'd probably give them that division. You would double the stock. Wow. So Amazon has to be looking at what Alibaba did yesterday by announcing they're going to break into six different companies, maybe IPO them, maybe spin them off, and see the stock of Alibaba go up 15% yesterday. That has to be in the back of Amazon's mind right now. Or the board of directors, if they don't get together at some point soon and say, Andrew Jassy, you're the CEO. What do you think about this whole Alibaba deal where they broke up into smaller pieces? Then the shareholders, the board of directors aren't doing their job for shareholders if they don't have that conversation. If Google were spin off uh, YouTube, yes, please. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm in love with YouTube, but I watch easily more YouTube. And if you count YouTube and YouTube TV, that's the only television. I know I watch some HBO. It's a little bit of Netflix. I know you're saying, how many services do you have? I do like YouTube as a service though. Um, I went deep diving into some old Depeche mode from. I think it was like 1987. Like it was crazy how young Depeche Mode. And I don't like Depeche Mode, which is the weirdest part about it. I was trying to get my courage up. Speaking of courage, cowardly lion in me. Do I want to go see Depeche Mode? And I'm like, no, I kind of don't. But I get it. I get it. Um, I just can't get enough. Would be contagious. It'd be contagious. But I would be negative. I would say, oh, got enough. I'm ready to sit down. Got enough. I'm ready to sit. Because that's kind of the jerk I am. Restoration hardware is struggling as the luxury housing market batters results and the outlook again. Restoration hardware is turning into a play on uh, valuations on, on what we expect from home builders and what we expect in the housing market. I used to look at Williams-Sonoma a little bit more. Certainly, Home Depot has a play in the housing market as far as as long as the housing market sector is healthy. If we're seeing a lot of buying and selling in homes, you tend to see people going to uh, Home Depot or Lowe's and getting paint and getting plants to beautify up the house. Whereas Restoration Hardware or Williams-Sonoma is more about the long term, maybe Wayfair as well. The long term of we have to live somewhere and we have to put furniture in our home. But luxury home sales plunged 45% during the quarters, rising interest rates, battered the housing market. So Restoration Hardware saying, look, we're not exactly having a great year. Sales are down 14% year over year. There's a lot of displeasure about the macroeconomic environment in the cooling housing inventory market. 
the CEO of Frustration Hardware characterized the housing market as collapsing, adding that underperforming stock market and banking crises are creating a rougher times ahead for Restoration Hardware. So there's an example of the banking industry bleeding into Wall Street. Earlier this week, I told you that Caterpillar got downgraded because Caterpillar is a company where farmers will say, I need a new earth mover. And Caterpillar standing right there in front of them. And then you have to secure financing for Caterpillars and John Deere tractors. And you tend to be in the agricultural market, you tend to go to regional banks. And that's where Silicon Valley Bank messed it up for other players in the world economy is they've put a lot of doubt in regional banks, which regional banks do a lot of lending. One minute. Same thing's happening with restoration hardware. So uh, they're saying that as the uncertainty on housing, which a lot of loans come through regional banks, uh, mortgage rates obviously going higher, uh, talk of recession, talk of inflation, talk of higher interest rates, until that starts to crack on the lower and restoration hardware won't really have much of a play, they're saying. As the CEO, there's not a lot of growth, not a lot of story there. Is it a long-term fine name? Yes. I don't own any, but I get it. If I had to, I'd own some Williams Noma. I know that company pretty intimately. Um, don't know restoration hardware as well. Just being honest with you. That's the, the goal of the show. Hey, always find me on YouTube channel, Rob Black Show, YouTube channel, Rob Black Show, and the website, robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.